Amen to that wonderful song. Were you blessed by it? Amen. It's always uh, great to hear songs that are God-honoring, God-glorifying. Uh, songs sung from the heart with wonderful message. Truly more than ever, we need Jesus, isn't it? And that's what the world really needs. Jesus Christ, um, His uh, compassion, His uh, mercy and grace. And uh, I just want to thank the Lord for uh, Naomi for singing for the glory of God. Now we have, I think, three or four Naomi's, Naomi, Naomi, whatever you want to pronounce it. Uh, we have the older one, the senior, Naomi, or a bit stoned, we have the, the regular adult, you know, Naomi Colling, and then we have uh, the young professional one, Naomi Simbenko. Maybe we'll have a baby Naomi or <laughs> along the way. But, you know, Naomi in the Bible, the, I think the name means pleasant, isn't it? Or, or sweet, something like that. And then, you know, the story with Ruth. And then, uh, unfortunately, uh, she lost her husband, her two uh, sons, but God gave her uh, a daughter-in-law that was uh, converted to uh, uh, Judaism and became uh, one of the ancestors of King David, whom the Savior came, isn't it? So... Uh, Naomi is a wonderful name. So thank you so much, Pastor Abel Naomi, for uh, Nimi, there I go for short, for singing for the glory of God. I hope that prepared our hearts for the Word of God. And I'm just excited to be here. I can't believe it's already November. You know, it's just like we just started the year 2021, isn't it? But now it's already November, and uh, it's almost Thanksgiving Day. And after Thanksgiving, we know... Um, we get busy here in America with the holidays approaching with the, what they call this shopping, getting ready to uh, give gifts. Uh, I don't know if you'll be able to shop a lot this year because of what's happening uh, economically. Uh, so you have been looking at the news. We have like a shortage of the uh, supply and demand when it comes to items. Uh, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. But you know what? I'm reminded of this verse in Scripture, uh, in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, you don't have to turn there. I just want to uh, quote this verse of Scripture to encourage us this morning. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice is a good word. Amen? Can I see some rejoicing faces this morning? And I, I, I cannot really see you smiling maybe when you squint your eyes. But if you're already uh, Chinese-Korean, you're already squinting it, you know, without doing it. Something like that. Those beautiful squinting eyes, you know. You smile with the eyes because of our mask. But as Christians, we can still rejoice in all things at all times, you know. You know why? Because we have God in us, isn't it? He is the joy of our salvation. He is the joy that gives us strength. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So that's why some Christians in the Philippines... This is their favorite brand of shampoo and conditioner, Rejoice. So whenever they put it, oh, look at that. It's getting shinier and cleaner. I can rejoice because my hair smells good. Now, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Amen. The Lord is at hand. It's coming very soon. And then it says there, in this day and age of anxiety, being anxious, uncertainties, when it comes to our health, when it comes to our jobs, when it comes to our political world, when it comes to anything that can fret you or make you worry, here's the solution, or here is one of the tools we can draw with. 
as Christians. In verse 6, be careful for nothing. It means be anxious for nothing. Or in another sense, don't worry too much. Uh, who doesn't worry here? I'm the only one because I'm the only one who raised 10. Oh, the babies. There you go. It's true. Uh, sometimes they worry also when they are uh, hungry or when they have poop or pee in their diaper. They worry and they cry. So uh, they can be changed, uh, so we can, they can get our attention. But innocently, they don't really worry about the basic necessities of life because they are expecting their moms and dad to do that for them. But as Christians, uh, as adults, uh, even the unbelieving world, we have these wor worries. You know? We have this anxiousness. But the Bible says, be careful not for nothing. Oh, don't worry too much. But what? In everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, there you go, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God gives peace when everything else is uncertain, and we are anxious. So let's pray for peace, amen? Let's pray for renewed focus. Let's pray for God's assurance upon our lives. So I was so blessed last uh, weekend, as you know, um, Every weekend of our uh, October, we, uh, we hold our annual missions conference. And once again, I'd like to encourage uh, the brethren in the Lord, God's people here in Bergen Bible Baptist Church, as your senior pastor, to please commit unto the work of the Lord. And one of the highlights of our ministry and one of the legacies that Pastor Max left us to uh, be able to continue on by God's grace is to be able to be a part of worldwide missions. To continue to be a part of evangelism and global missions. And one way to do that, to uh, obey the commandment, the great mandate, the great commandment found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. That great commission is to support missionaries. So how many of you had already filled up the commitment form? Faith, promise, giving commitment form by online or by uh, hard copy. So if you have done so, thank you so much. May the Lord bless you. If you haven't done so, I'd like to encourage you, inspire you to do it for the glory of God. You don't do it for Pastor Sam, for any deacons, for the missions committee, but you do it as a obedience, amen, to the command of Christ, to the command of God to teach and preach the gospel to all the world. And uh, I, I love what Brother Bobby has been inspiring us to do that it's not about the amount that you give, but it's the heart behind the amount. You know, because God can bless anything. Amen? And if we work together as a, as a team, as a church, as a congregation, if we are unified as a body of believers to a right purpose, amen, and the right thing, a right desire, then God can bless us with that. That's why everybody, by God's grace, ought to give unto the Lord. Even the babies. I have to babies. And uh, uh, they did not sign the commitment form, but uh, they had our consent <laughs> to give an amount. So by God's grace, as once again, it's, it's, it's sacrificial to some of us, it's gracious to some of us to do it. But once again, we pray and we ask God for wisdom and we say, Lord, by your grace, I'd like to commit something. Uh, anyways, it's for your glory. It's for the salvation of soul. And you know what? That's an eternal investment. It can never taken away from you. And you know, we can spend a lot of our resources, our money to some frivolous things. I tell you, 
unnecessary wants or greeds. But it ought to be a, a, a good sign of maturity for a Christian to use something that God has already given to him to some that is worthwhile, that some that will amount for eternity. So if we put them together, we can reach our goal. Amen? And I'm already blessed because I saw in our prayer chain ministry, you know, there's already 61,000. You know, as, as small as we are, we don't have any millionaires here. A lot of us have debts. Isn't it? A lot of us has financial obligations with our family. We're helping our uh, unfortunate family relatives or friends who need some help. Because they thought when we are in America, we, we discovered a fountain of financial blessings. And we, you know, all of our uh, needs are provided here. But of course, all of us here work so hard to provide for our family. And if there's extra blessing, we ought to help others who are in need. But you know what? When we give unto the work of the Lord, the blessing of God will be there. If you won't see it here in, in, in earth temporarily, you'll see it in heaven. Amen? That's setting up our affection on things above. Laying up treasures in heaven. So, if you haven't committed yet, just uh, a friendly reminder from your pastor. We will um, uh, encourage you until the end of this year, until we meet that goal or exceed that goal. And God, if God has blessed you something this year, you had a race, you had an extra job, and God impressed upon your heart to increase your giving, not your standard of living, go ahead. And God will be God will smile upon you. And you know, and once again, our motivation, our purpose is we do it for the glory of God. It's a blessing to give, it's a privilege. And I hope you were um, blessed by the messages that we've heard. Uh, we heard a message from Pastor Francis last Friday night. We had uh, heard multiple messages from Brother Nathan Lee. And once again, I'd like to extend his appreciation to the church for having him and his family to be a part of our missions conference. And we still uh, missed uh, the family, especially their oldest child, uh, that uh, lively boy, Bennett, isn't it? Running around like a little missionary. And he made friends with our little kids here in the church, isn't it? So they extend their greetings to us. And they want to say thank you for inviting them to be part of our missions conference. And I shared this also. Uh, aren't you glad we are in church? Amen. Amen. We are still open. Uh, we are in person, and God has given us an extra hour today to sleep. And uh, we, I think most of you had good coffees because I could smell it. Um, you had a good breakfast, you know. You had some life in you, and you're excited to be in the house of the Lord. God has given us a good weather. Uh, even though it's kind of cold this morning, uh, I've never feel so cold in my life for this year. Because uh, I just came from the south. But thank God there's um, sunshine and warmth. And then uh, I can still see, I can still smell, I can still taste, I can still move around. So all I can say, my God that I serve, I worship today is such an awesome God. Amen. I think you can relate to that too. He's awesome, he's great, he deserves to be worshipped and be praised. And no matter what's happening in my life right now, no matter what's happening in this world right now, I could still thank God. I could still praise Him for who He is. And I could go to church today and worship with my brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, Stephen Macy, um, a believer in Christ uh, who had a blog, said this about church attendance. As church attendance numbers fade across the nation and online services become very convenient, it's important to remember why church attendance for you and your family matters so much. Why? 
practical reasons. Because first, you can't serve from your sofa or your bedroom. That's true, isn't it? You can't have community of faith on your sofa. You can't experience the power of a room full of believers worshiping together on your sofa. Christians are not consumers. We are contributors. Amen. By God's grace. We are contributors. We participate. We involve. We don't watch. We engage. We give. We sacrifice. We encourage. We pray by laying hands on the hurting. We do life. We do church together. So the church needs you, and you need the church. So whenever I'm given a privilege to be in the house of the Lord, you know, of course, I can understand some cannot come. That's why we still have the online live streaming for our elderly, for those people who are working or like are far from us or they want to watch the service also at some point when they're not working or they're available. That's why we still have it. But if God bless you with strength and a car to drive and, of course, the desire to meet with him and fellowship one another, you should be here. Because that's part of being an obedient Christian of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Yes, it's easy to be convenient and comfortable and just say, yeah, I still support by virtual. But you know what? God is pleased and honored when you are there. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. All right. So right now we will start our message. And I'm so glad I'll be able, hopefully, be able to finish this series of lesson. We've been studying the book of Matthew, chapter 24. And... Uh, We've been studying about the end times. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited and happy about the subject, end times, because I believe with all my heart that this is the day and age we're living in currently right now. And aren't you glad that the Bible that you have in your hands, I hope you have your Bibles with you, amen? Not just a digital copy, but a hard copy, you know? Your 1611 version of the Bible. I hope you have your Bibles with you. And I thank God that the Bible that we study and we read as our main textbook in every worship service is something that we can say that's always reliable. Amen? Our faith that we have as Christians is a reasonable faith. It means it's not a blind faith. It means that there are evidences we can point to. So I can say our faith is real, it's reliable, it's reasonable, and it is also relevant. The Bible is relevant. It's not an ancient manuscript, ancient writing for ancient old people. No, the Bible is God's word inspired. And the Bible says it's profitable to us in doctrine, in reproof, instruction, for correction. Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So prophecy, predictive prophecy, studying about the end times is something that is Good for us as a church, as God's people, because we can see the relevance of the Bible in current events. One of the greatest illustrations, how we know that the Bible is true, is because of its prophetic claims. It's only the book in the whole wide world that can predict what will happen in the future in accuracy and in specifics. So you can believe the Bible with all your heart because it's always true. It's always reliable, it's always relevant when it comes to history, when it comes to science, when it comes to doctrine, when it comes to prophetic things. So, as we study, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, let's ask the Lord to bless our time together, then we'll read a passage of scripture. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we bless your name, we, we thank you for who you are, Lord. You are such an amazing, wonderful, 
compassionate, gracious, and merciful God. Lord, we humble our hearts before you. We recognize, we acknowledge, Lord, our dependence upon you. We recognize, Lord, that truly you are a faithful God, you are a great God, but sad to say, Lord, we fail thee, we fall short of your expectation to us because we are still in our sinful uh, old nature. We still live in a world that has tempted us to, to doubt you, to, to sin against you. So why, that's why, Lord, as a congregation of people, as a body of believers, you can search our hearts, you know our thoughts. If there is anything, Lord, that we did, that we've done against your will, any sin, trespasses, iniquities, that we've done, we might say, unknowingly or knowingly, intentionally or unintentionally, we ask for your mercy. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your cleansing. Because we don't want to do church, Lord, with unclean hearts. So we ask you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Cleanse us, purify us, consecrate us. We pray that the Holy Spirit will have a free course in our midst today. Your word will be a, a two-edged sword in our midst. That it will hurt probably us or instruct us, rebuke us, but also it can heal us, help us to be a better Christian, to be a better witness for you. And we thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the message that we have in Jesus, that this world that is full of anxiety and certainty can know something that is for certain, that is for sure, that there's a God in heaven who loves them. There's a God in heaven who wants to save them and give them a new life, an eternal life in Christ. So help us, Lord, to, to do that, be that instrument of grace, in spreading the kingdom and help us, Lord, to really prioritize you in our life. We know, Lord, there's a lot of things in this world that gets our attention, that gets our focus, but Lord, we pray by your grace, by your help, that you will be the main attraction of our life, your will and your purpose. And one of those is to be your witnesses, Lord. We pray now that you bless uh, our time together. Uh, we pray for... Uh, your, your strength and wisdom and also, Lord, for your safety for all of us as we worship you. And thank you, Lord, for the songs that we already had sung for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for the special music we've heard. Thank you, Lord, for the lesson we had heard this Sunday school. And now pray, Lord, empty our spiritual cups and may you fill it with thy word. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, turn your Bibles with me in Matthew chapter 24. You can stay seated. Uh, we'll just have a quick review of what we've been studying um, this is about uh, the end times, and primarily this was taught by Jesus Christ in the Mount of Olives. And um, uh, by the way, it's written primarily to the Jews because the disciples and the apostles of Christ were the audience when Christ was teaching this. And let me read to you, just follow me silently. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Okay, so they're looking at Herod's temple, the second um, uh, renovation of the original Solomon's temple, which is a temple built in uh, worshiping God. Because during the time of Moses, they were worshiping God through a tabernacle, like a tent. It's a portable uh, place where God's presence dwells, and and God said, uh, man, the, the Israelite people need to build me a house. And, and God used Solomon through the help of David by uh, preparing all the materials that will be used for the building of the temple. And Solomon's temple that was dedicated to God 
is a temple of magnificence and, uh, and, and richness and beauty. And it's one of the ancient wonders of the ancient world. And then came the Assyrian uh, and Babylonian captivity, and the temple was desecrated. And come the time of Jesus, Herod would like to please the Jews, so he rebuilt the temple. Uh, and, and, and Jesus was uh, being uh, toured by the disciples, and he's showing them uh, this magnificent temple, its pillars, its structure. And Christ said to them, and Jesus said unto them in verse 2, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. That's a shock to them because they are so proud of this magnificent temple. You know, Zerubbabel came down to try to like uh, 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 fix it. And then Nehemiah came during the captivity to build the wall after those invasion. And, and Christ is saying this temple will be thrown under. There will not be a stone one to another. How can that happen? That's, that sounds like the end of the world. That sounds like the end of our world as Jews. And verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Three questions that the disciples asked the Lord. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and what is the end of the world? And Jesus answered, and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. So one of the signs that it's almost the end of the world, there will be this uh, deception globally. Amen? There will be, as we read on the following verses, these diseases that will plague humanity globally, internationally. So there's also this destruction that will happen into the world globally. Intensity and frequency, and globally, it will happen at the same time before the end of the world. That's what Christ is saying. And in verse 6, it says there, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. We had World War I, World War II, and now we have global terrorism as rumors of wars. See that ye not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And we know that General Titus, a Roman general, sacked Jerusalem and his temple, and Israel during AD 70 destroyed the temple. But that's not just the fulfillment of this prophetic prophecy of Christ. It goes beyond that. It goes beyond to what we call the seven years of great tribulation. And what else would happen? There's deception. There is destruction because of pestilences, because of earthquakes, because of diseases. And Nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Remember, it's like a woman in travail, a woman who's about to give birth. The intensity, the frequency of those dilation will go, you know, faster and faster, more and more intense. It's like he's about to give birth. The same thing as would happen before Christ would come. So there will come of uh, that moment of intensity and frequency. All these, though, verse 8, are the beginning of sorrows. Then in verse 9, they shall deliver you up to be afflicted or persecuted and shall kill you. Now, of course, that had happened during the time in Babylonian uh, captivity and also during Roman general Titus in AD 70. And of course, it happened in the history of the Jews during the Holocaust, but that's not truly the end of the world for them. And then shall many uh, be offended 
and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And because, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. There's going to be lawlessness, violence, iniquity will abound all over the world. And we can see that happening right now. But he that shall endure unto, him, unto the end, the same shall be saved. All right? That speaks of the great tribulation. Enduring, not taking the mark of the beast, and they shall be saved. But he and the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. There will be the preaching of the gospel, and, and when he therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, we studied this, if you remember, where the Antichrist that would come as a world uh, dictator will um, desecrate the temple. As we know, the next greatest thing that will happen in Christian uh, uh, realm is the rapture of the believers, isn't it? We're all going to be raptured, snatched away from this world, and when the preservative of this world is out as the salt and light of this world, when the Holy Spirit ministry is out of this world, He is the one who restrains evil, and then the Antichrist, the false Messiah, would arise and will have a false peace treaty with Israel. Because right now, Israel is the hotbed of biblical prophecy. A lot of people are, uh, nations are mad, are angry at Israel. They want to annihilate them. They want, they want to, to kill them. They want to like, destroy them. You know, those radicals. All right? But there will come a time they're almost going to be defeated by these uh, nations. You know, um, unifying together to destroy Israel. Like probably we can say the uh, radical Islamists, the Hamas, and people who hate them, Iraq and Iran. But the Antichrist would come and will give a false peace treaty. And the Jews will thought that that's their Messiah that they were waiting. But at the end of that three and a half years, of that seven years, he will, you know, turn his back against the Jews and he will sacrifice him uh, he will uh, put himself as God and he will desecrate the temple you know so that's the abomination of desolation because it's also happened during the times of the Roman Empire where there's this uh, ruler Antichus Epiphanes he who um, desecrated the temple and sacrificed a pig or a swine in the temple, which is really a, a great devile, defilement. It's an abomination to the Jews to sacrifice that unclean animal. The same thing, the Antichrist will make himself as God and will demand worship. So that's the abomination of desolation spoken here by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Verse 15, whoso read it, let him understand. So we study that a little bit. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. This, this is the time that the Antichrist will turn its ugly head against the Jews and he will try to kill them, and he will be able to kill almost two-thirds of them. And they have to flee to the mountains, even to the mountains of Petra. And we were there to escape his sword, his anger. So it says there, let, them, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, poor mothers with child, that when the Antichrist start killing two-thirds of the population of the Jews, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. You know why? Because they cannot travel more than a mile for a good Jew, a good Jew who believes in Judaism during Sabbath. For then shall be great, verse 21, tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world 
to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except, take note, those days should be shortened, seven years, there should no flesh be saved. Remember, for the first three and a half years, there are that four horsemen. The, uh, in our studies in the book of Revelation, the, the seals that are broken, the trumpets that were blown, judgments upon the world for the first three and a half years, and it will be more severe in the next three and a half years. All in all in seven. For there shall be great tribulation such as were not since the beginning of the world to this time, no nor ever shall be, and except those days should, this day should be short, shortened, there should be no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, you know, for the believer's sake, or especially those Jews that are there, those days shall be shortened. There, then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or, or there, believe it not. So Jesus Christ already warned. You know, even the uh, Jewish believers, even right now, if they read this, this testament, this New Testament, they are warned. If any man shall say unto you, Lo, there is Christ, or there, believe it not. Amen. Let's, let's, let's be local here. So when Tibuloy said, I am the appointed son of God, I am Jesus Christ in human form, don't believe. Amen? Because Christ even said, if somebody says, I am Christ, apart from what the Bible teaches, don't believe. You know, it's a false prophet. It's a false teacher. You know, there, if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, in so much that if it were possible, if it is were possible, they shall deserve the very elect. Behold, I have told you before, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be." Okay, of course, uh, he used that illustration. You don't really know where that lightning comes from, what direction it is. And you just see the after effects. You just see the great thundering sound and, and the light that it shows. But you don't really know where it comes from. Specifically, verse 28, For whosoever the carcass is there, will the eagles be gathered together. Now, verse 29, this is the uh, coming of the Son of Man in the second advent, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So this is the time that Christ comes during uh, after the seven years of tribulation to destroy his enemies in the battle of Armageddon, where he will do the last harvest as we studied a couple of weeks ago, and he will establish his earthly reign. And he shall send his angels with a great sound, verse 31, of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. There are still people who is going to be saved during the great tribulation, and those who did not die, those who were not beheaded, will enter the, tri uh, the millennial reign with their human form, with their bodily form. So they will still give birth, you know, and they will still replenish the earth for a thousand years. And they're going to be a final rebellion at the end of the millennial reign of Christ before uh, the Satan, the serpent, is taken out of the bottomless pit for a thousand years. He will be able to deceive many nations and there will be a final rebellion. And God will destroy them. God will judge them at that great white throne. And he will create a new heaven and a new earth. And he will, you know, begin eternity with us. Amen? So that's like a bird's 
viewpoint of things to come. Then in verse 32, we read, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branch is yet tender and put it forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise, see, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the, at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my, what is it, God's people? Words. What is God's word? The Bible. Amen? The scripture. So heaven and earth shall pass away, but God's word that we have, amen, will not pass away, shall not pass away. But the day of the day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah, take note, where? So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, and the other left, that's the suddenness. Two men shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, amen? Take note, watch therefore, for you know not what, your, what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, Notice those words, no. But notice that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So, wow, a lot of things to take in. <laughs> so we will just do like um, a quick uh, review of this passage of scripture and let me start with this illustration about uh, I think more than a decade ago 10 years ago there was a decade ago that an errant spy satellite usually capable of reading a newspaper on earth from space just imagine that wow a satellite orbiting the earth able to read your Sunday newspaper that's how advanced the technology is you know what, what happened uh, uh, in um, February of 2008? This satellite was shot down in low Earth orbit with a missile precise to the square foot where the actual fuel tank was located. And the whole world was able to see it happen on video from the ground. That's amazing, isn't it? Indeed, it's, it's all that I can spy with my little eye says. You know, this is what we call Operation burnt frost, where America intercept and destroyed an NRO, a National Reconnaissance Office, from one of their Navy ships, the USS Lake Erie. Imagine that they fired that missile and was able to hit, intercept that orbiting satellite and destroy it. So, for what purpose? It was spying <laughs> on other nations. So the other nations who are competing against us, like Russia and China, will not able to grab the information there. But imagine how many thousands of miles from here but were able to do that. And the whole world was able to see it happening in real time. So the question this morning, is it possible that Jesus will return in our lifetime? It's a slide. Yeah, that's the title of our message, End Times Explosion. You know, just use your Christian sanctified imagination. You know, uh, there's God, the brightness of his glory. It's coming for us in the clouds, you know. 
Is it possible? Once again, let me reiterate that question. Is it possible that Jesus will return in our lifetime? There you go. Half of you are sure. Half are, half are not. I can say it's not just possible, but let me say it's probable. Amen? It's not just possible, but probable. Once again, I'm, I'm not a date setter. I'm not trying to make a prediction. But we need to recognize the sign of the times. And I'd like to share with you some more compelling evidence that anytime now, Christ could explode into the scene, rupturing the sky and rapturing the saints. Amen? Rupturing the sky is a good rupture. How do you pronounce that? R-U-P. There you go. Thank you. Rapturing the sky and rapturing the saints. So it's the same pronunciation. All right? So another slide. Can you imagine yourself flying away? Uh, I was asked when I was a kid, what would you like to be your power as a superhero? Hmm. Of course, our favorite superhero, I don't know about you, is Superman. Kasi nandun na yung word na super eh. Superhero, so Superman. Why Superman? That uh, Kryptonian guy. Because he has the... Power of light, up, up, and away, diba? It's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's not. It's Superman, you know? Traveling the speed of light, fart, you know? Speed of light, you know? And then invincibility, strength, of course, nanduna, but flight. If you can fly away somewhere, if you can travel like that, who, why do you need a bike? Why do you need a car, you know? Why do you need to fly a plane and go to security and get this COVID test if you can just up, up, and away? I'll fly away like, a, like an untiring eagle, you know? But you know what? Your, your dream of being able to fly away will one day be, will happen, materialize, because you will fly away. Amen? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. It's like Christ will come in that rapture state, and it's like the ultimate magnet, <laughs> that will attract the true believers and will be with him. But you can, can you also imagine being left behind? There you go. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? Hmm? You can fly away. Some, a lot, millions of Christians will fly away, but some and a lot also will be left behind. Of course, the unbelieving world will be left behind, and there will be professing Christians that will be left behind. End time events that precede the rapture and the great tribulation are being played out before our very eyes. As I say, the intensity, frequency, global situations of deception, of disease, of destruction, of depravement, of division, all these bad deeds, the negative deeds, are happening before our eyes. The panorama for the second coming is spread out like a table for Sunday dinner. You know, the first advent was in two phases, isn't it? When Christ came into this world in his first advent, in his first coming 2,000 years ago, he came as a lowly servant, as a lamb, born in a manger. And then when he died, he ascended up into heaven. So that's the second phase of his first advent. The second thing, in his second advent, second coming, there's two phases. There's what we call the rapture, which is private, which is not public for believers, for true Christians, where he will come into the clouds and change us, you know, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we, our life and remain, shall be caught up with him. And then, his second phase of his second coming, he will return after seven years with his saints. The first phase was for his saints. The second one is with his saints to establish his earthly 
reign, a thousand year of peace and prosperity in this world. So we can say right now, as we near the first phase of his second advent, the stage is set, the key players have taken position, the cameras are rolling, and the lights are beginning to dim. A hush is falling across the audience in heaven, and all we need to do is for the director or the father to say, all right, action. Action! Now the play will start. And if I die, I don't know, God knows, you know, it is appointed unto man wants to die. We all have, have our time. And if I die before the rapture, personally speaking, I'd like to talk to my wife right now. I want to give advanced instruction to put on my tombstone, died. He died surprise. I died surprise. Because, as I said, the coming of Christ, the rapture of the saints, is not just possible, but it's probable in our lifetime. Isn't it? So put in my tombstone, I died surprise. All right. You know, there was a funny story of, a, you know, a hypochondriac? All right, you know, you know what that means? You know, somebody who always complain about the illnesses they feel that they had, which are just all imaginary, all right? So there was the story of this hypochondriac. He grew old and eventually died. And he had instructed the engraver to put on his headstone, I told you I was sick. May rest back pa siya na, kahit namatay na siya. You know, some say that every generation has believed Christ would return in their lifetime. Have you heard that saying? Some says that every generation has believed Christ would return in their lifetime. Since 2,000 years ago, that is not simply true. Every generation has hoped to see his return, but not all have expected it in their lifetime. Yes, it's in the Bible. We need to hope. We need to watch and wait for His coming, but not everybody had expected it will happen. Just a few illustrations. Sir Isaac Newton, all right? We have, I think I have a slide of his face here. He was not only a great scientist, but he's also a theologian, especially late in his life in the 1700s. He concluded that his generation would not see the return of Christ. Why? He did not, he did not see the signs of the end times coming just yet. He said, about the time of the end, a body of men will be raised up who will turn their attention to the prophecies and insist upon their literal interpretation in the midst of much clamor, clamor and opposition. And don't you know, he's right. It's happening right now. God raised a generation of men, Bible teachers, that are now preaching about prophecies, about the end times, who had a renewed interest in the books of Daniel, Revelation, and Ezekiel. You know, and Jewish people like Amir, Sarfari, who became Christians are right now, you know, all over the world having conferences of telling Christians and churches that truly we are in the end times. How about C.H. Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, one of the greatest preachers of the 19th century? He asked this question, will Jesus appear in 1866 or 1867? I'm inclined to think that he will not come at any such time. It seems to me that there are a great many prophecies which must be fulfilled before the coming of Christ. We shall go on many a day yet. We may have to wait for another century. It's more than a century now, isn't it? Another century has come and gone, but my, what has changed in that century? This leads to a powerful discussion of the fulfillment of one 
of the lesser known prophecies of the Old Testament. Let's turn to Daniel 12.4. Daniel 12.4, you know, in order to understand biblical end-time prophecies, we are studying Ezekiel uh, 37, Daniel, and also Revelation. But Daniel and Revelation are correlated. It says there, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. So this book that was written by Daniel through the message of the Lord, uh, he said, seal it up. But when revelation was given to John, the beloved, it was not sealed up. It was open for Christians to study. But Daniel was sealed because it's not yet to be fulfilled. This verse makes us think of the transportation age. When you see that phrase, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. We are living in the knowledge explosion age. Amen? Transportation age. And aren't you glad you live in this century? The 21st century, especially the millennials here, the modernists, you know? Uh, and for seniors and baby boomers, aren't you glad you're still alive right now? What an exciting day and age to live. Amen? Because you can see now your relatives in the Philippines through video chat. You don't have to go to the plane and get all these negative tests, you know, just to say hi to them. You don't have to pay, you know, um, and get a card for $10 and scratch that card and get all those numbers and try to talk to them on the phone. And then call ended or, you know, you only use two minutes. Now you can just see them and talk to them for free because of technology, because of Facebook Messenger or, you know. So, wow, it's really a great change, isn't it? We live in a transportation age and digital technology. Now, think about this. From the time God created Adam to this day, November 7, 2021, about, let's say, 6,000 years of human history, if you look at the Bible, only 6,000 years, not billions of years, you know, millions of years, as evolutionists claim. 6,000 years have passed, and for all but the last 100 of those years, man was, has either walked, sailed, or what's the mode of transportation? Road horses. All right? But during the 20th century, we saw man come up with the automobile. Who invented the modern car? Is it Henry Ford? All right? Who invented the planes? It's, it's the Wright brothers, isn't it? So cars, planes, now jets, and spacecraft. That able to go to the moon and other uh, nearby planets and even be able to send like a droid that can go all the way to Mars, you know, and get some samples of rocks. For centuries, Bible scholars interpreted Daniel 12.4, that phrase, run to and fro as a coming increase in travel and in the speed of travel. It was in the 17th century that Isaac Newton said, a new mode of travel shall be invented in the last days. Knowledge will be so increased that man will be able to travel at the rate of, and then he went out on a limb. He says 50 miles an hour. He was highly criticized during that time for making such a statement. The atheist Voltaire said, Newton thinks that someday man will travel at 50 miles an hour. That poor dotard. I wish he could see the space shuttle right now traveling at a speed of 20,000 miles per hour. If you've seen uh, the space shuttle 
uh, flying out of from Florida, isn't it? With their mission. 20,000 miles per hour. Wow, that's fast. About global communication today, man is traveling at the speed of light. The information age has placed anything you want to know just a click away in seconds to virtually everyone. Why? Because we have now the World Wide Web. You can find information in the click of your mouse. This is not a mouse, but I mean, you know, a mouse with a desktop or at the tip of your fingertips, isn't it? What do people want, want to know something? What do they do? They, what's our favorite term? Why don't you do? Google it. And then another company searching engine compete with them. It's called Bing. You know? I know if they're still in existence. You know what it means when it says Bing? Because it's not Google. So, hey, search with us. Give us some support because it's not. They're trying to compete, but of course, they are overshadowed by that. So you Google now. Put search engine, anything under the sun you want to know. Isn't it? Now you can access it through your smartphones, fingertips. You don't have to go to the library. You don't have to order like volumes of encyclopedia to study a certain subject. Now it's accessible virtually by everyone in the world who has technology. What a day and age we're living in. And some of the millennials and even the baby boomers who love technology are enjoying it. You know? Wow. This is better than me going to the public library years ago. As a popular search engine touts in commercials, no one wants to look dumb. Isn't it? Look, it took men 160 years to produce a steam engine that worked. From concept to completion a couple of centuries ago, but look at this. The nuclear bomb was built in just six years a few decades ago. And today's tech inventions flow from paper to prototype in days and then mass production in weeks. Wow, an explosion of knowledge and technology. You'd have to be blind not to see it. The knowledge explosion has been going on for more than a century and it's only increasing in speed. And the Bible says this all will lead to Jesus' explosion onto the end time sin. Now, Knowledge does not make us any better people, isn't it? Why? Our society is still in kindergarten morally. The more we become uh, tech-savvy or convenient in life, the more, sad to say, our spiritual and moral condition degraded. Diba? As they say, educating someone's mind without changing their heart only adds pride to their already sin-filled resume. So what man really needs is not more technology, more advance, advancement. Those are good to make life convenient, but what man needs is more of the Word of God. It's only the Word of God that can change the heart and the mind of people, change their behavior, change their morals, because we're living in a day and age where, you know what? Judge me not. I can do whatever is right as I feel is right. In God's eyes, which is not right, because man's heart is depraved. You know, another verse that you may never thought about is not just in the increase of speed of travel and knowledge. That's why we can say we are living in the end times, that the end times is upon us. But second is also in Zechariah 14.12. Another verse you may have thought, never thought about is Zechariah 14.12. And this 
shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Look at this. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. Wow, how that happened. And their eyes shall consume away in their holes. And their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. Some graphic verses. What does remind you of that? It's already there in the picture. What happened in World War II? You know, when the atomic bomb was dropped at Nagasaki and Hiroshima. That's not even a nuclear bomb. What happened? Instantaneously, cities were destroyed. People who are standing in their feet, they are consumed away. Diba? Natunaw na lang sila. You know, everything. Bones nila. So, wow, what a different kind of warfare is this, isn't it? What does remind you of that? For years, Bible scholars wonder what kind of warfare this could possibly speak of. Well, now we know. As the Bible says in Revelation 16, 19, Revelation 16, 19, and the great city was divided in three parts and the cities of the nations fell. Imagine those ancient wars. It will take them, what, months or years to be able to subdue a city because they have built walls, you know, and they only have spears and sword and horses. But right now you can destroy a city in a matter of seconds because of technology of war. Huh? It's happening in our lifetime. The next chapter says in Revelation, it happens in one hour. For years, we have wondered how entire cities will be destroyed. Now we know. You know, they said that the nuclear arsenal of the world with Russia, with but Russia, China, America, will be able to destroy this whole world six times over in a matter of a few hours. That's why when there's a new president that will come into office, especially in America, remember? They are very careful because he has the nook codes in a football. Has to be transferred in secret in privacy because, you know, that can be stolen or something. And if you get a hold of that, that's why. How come North Korea or Iran is trying to get a hold of uranium and plutonium and able to have this kind of technology, warfare, this weapon of mass destruction? Nuclear bomb is happening in our day and age. Here's the biggie. Jeremiah 23.3. So we know we are in the end times because there is an increase of knowledge, increase of speed of travel. There is that warfare capability of destroying a city or a person in a matter of minutes or hours. But also here, and I think this is big, 1948, and Jeremiah 23, verse 3, says, And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries which I have driven them and will bring them again to their folds. Once again, Israel is God's prophetic time clock of the end of the world, of what's happening. So we know this is what we call diaspora. Israel lost its identity as a nation for 2,000 years. After the Babylonian captivity, um, they were scattered for 70 years and they came back. And then during the time of Christ, there was the Roman Empire. And then AD 70 came, the Roman generals sacked the city. And they, were, they lost their identity, identity during that time. Until 1948 of May 14, the Jews had been returning to Israel by the hundreds of thousands, just as the Bible predicted would happen before Christ returned. Also like that valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37. That pertains to the literal, physical nation of Israel coming together once again as a nation, being built, now being blessed by God, militarily speaking, economically speaking. You know, as we read in Matthew chapter 24, verse 32, we saw there that phrase, 
the parable of the fig tree. Notice? The fig tree, uh, most in the Bible, it pictures Israel. You know? The nation of Israel. And we know Israel has become the hub, the hotbed of all that goes on in the world. So that's why we need to behold Israel. Amen? We have to pray for the peace in Jerusalem. And it says that in verse 34, as we read a while ago, what is the generation that won't pass until all these signs of the end time shall be fulfilled? Some said a generation is 40 years, but it has been more than 40 years. It has been like 1948 plus, let's say, 70 or 60 years. You know, you do. How much longer, we can ask, can those alive for this event continue to live? How about this? Add to these facts that there is also the cashless society. Almost a done deal. You know, Sweden in 2023 will be completely cashless. China, uh, they, they use this WeChat Pay. Can you see that in the telenovela of Chinese? No. When you do the marathon, you know. There is the Alibaba's Alipay. Of course, we have our own versions here. Zelle, Apple Pay, Venmo, you, you know. Not ordinary, normal. Right now, people bring cash, you know. And, and you see on the signs, because of the shortage of coins, you know. Please give us an exact change. But contactless since the pandemic comes, isn't it? That before you insert it, no, you don't have to insert it. You just... What do you call that? Tap or like put it in a certain uh, icon and then you, you start having a transaction, financial. You know? Why? Why? Why like almost a one-world monetary system? Because as we had studied before, the Antichrist should come and be able to control the world, economically speaking. So you cannot buy or sell without taking his mark, worshiping him, recognizing him as God. So, the castle society is almost a done deal. And you've heard more of earthquakes in your lifetime than the previous 500 years put together. Or famines and pestilences than the previous 500 years put together. 70% of all medicines known to men have been invented in your lifetime. And uh, in America, you know that verse, sorcery in Revelation, it speaks really about pharmaceutical stuff. And here in America, we have a dilemma, a problem with that. Opioid addiction, isn't it? Men just resolve to meds to confront what they're going through. And they are totally addiction, you know? And um, it's happening, you know? 90% of all scientists who have ever lived are alive today. So we used to wonder how everyone on earth could see the bodies of the two witnesses lying in the streets in the book of Revelation. But everyone we know, know that's not just uh, an imagination. It's a reality, isn't it? Something that can happen in one part of the world can be seen by the rest of the world through online or TV, satellite, uh, cables. It can be replayed over and over again. Just as surely as we are on the front lines watching the shock and the awe of Operation Iraqi Freedom in March of 20, uh, 2003, the knowledge explosion of transportation and technology is ready to give the world a front row view to the end of the world. But it won't be an entertainment. It will be horror beyond imagination. That's the true Halloween horror. <laughs> if you don't have Christ, if you are unrepented. Physical destruction, moral and spiritual decay are upon us. So, let me say, here as a senior, if you are old enough to get a discount at restaurants, isn't it you can notice this? 
You've seen in your lifetime divorce rate go from 1 to 8. In what is today where divorces outnumber marriages in every year. Crime rate has increased by more than 500%. The birth of the Church of Satan in 1969 had happened, which has been granted tax-exempt status by the U.S. government. One world government began to be formed. The New World Order, the Great Reset, the One World Church, ecumenical disasters, incurable diseases. We can say there's an intensity building up and expectancy is in the air. But as believers, we need not run around with headline hysteria. Amen? We are to simply look up for our redemption draweth nigh. We are to be faithfully and patiently wait for our Savior, who will soon come bursting through the blue with the sound of a trumpet in the twinkling of an eye. When the Bible says that, it means in a millisecond. In an instant, therefore, when the rapture occurs, if you're not saved, there will not be time to get saved. It will be too late for you. If you are a Christian and not living for God, there will be no time to make it right. Your salvation is secure, but will you be ashamed when he comes? That's the question we need to ponder. You won't be able to ask him to wait, Lord. Wait, Lord, I want to win a soul for you. Can you give me a few more minutes? No, it cannot happen. My brother, my father, my spouse, my kids, my friend, my neighbor, my co-worker. Wait, Lord. How about wait, Lord? I want to obey you and, and be a good tither. No, there's no more time. Lord, don't come yet because I want to give to missions. I didn't commit anything about my faith promise giving. Lord, I want to lay up treasure in heaven. I want to set now my affection to you. It's too late. Wait, Lord, don't come yet. I got bitterness in my heart towards someone. I haven't forgiven them. No, it's too late to do that. Wait, Lord, I have this secret sin that I'm doing. Or I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of your will. Lord, wait, I, I want to get right with you. No time to do that. So the message of the rapture is be ready. Do it now. Amen? Live for the Lord now. Obey Him. For the Lord could come at any moment. Be watching. Be ready. Though we cannot know the day or the hour of the second coming, the, the specific one, we can say the general season can be known. Amen? The general season can be known. That's why we read in verse 32 and 33, we, underline, we can underline the word no in each verse. We can know the season we observe around us. Even though Jesus will return like a thief in the night, as an illustration there, it doesn't have to take the Christian by surprise. We are not children walking in darkness. Nangangapa, ah, ano kayong mangyayari sa mundo? Anong mangyayari? Ano bang sinasabi ng Biblia? We are not the children walking in darkness, but we are the children of the light. We can see, we can know, we can have a sense, we can have direction. Thanks be to God for that. We can know something. God doesn't give us everything we want to know or we need to know. He just gives us enough light and information for us to know, to follow Him. That's why living the Christian life is a step of faith. It's a step in the light. It's step by step, one day at a time. Live for the Lord. And the more you obey, the more you receive light, the more He will give you. Amen? As I said before, good men disagree on some 
of the specific of this chapter, Matthew chapter 24. But all can agree that the signs of the end are touching us today. Warning us, beseeching us to take cover, get ready, and to warn everyone we can. We don't have to be taken by surprise. But you know what? Most of the world will be caught off guard when the rapture happens. How many of you are waiting for the return of Christ? How many of you are watching for the return of Christ? Amen. Verse 43, and I have to end. The whole point, as we read there, but know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what the thief would come, he would have watched, amen, and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Illustration here. I I'm glad Jesus Christ used illustration, amen, so we can better understand it in a practical point of view. As we know, the whole point for a thief, they don't announce their plan of invading your house and robbing you, all right? They don't text you, you know, they don't put it in a blog or in a post. You know what? In a certain hour, certain house, certain time, I'm the thief. I'm going there to ransack your house and get your valuables. No, he won't do that. He will not make an announcement of going to your neighborhood and doing that evil thing, you know? He will not ask, I was wondering if 2 o'clock a.m. would be a good time for me to stop by your house. Leave the door unlocked. Shut up your security system, you know? But you know what? We are encouraged not just to wait for Christ's coming, but to watch. All right, quickly, we'll end with this. Why do I wait or watch with Jesus? Maybe I'll, I'll preach this next Sunday. So the whole thing is an introduction. Well, because it is our duty. Amen? It should be our desire to see the face of our Savior. It is also our deliverance from one awful things. And also it is our destiny. To be with the Lord. But I'll, I'll close with this. The difference between waiting and watching for the Lord. You know, there was a story, real story, of a man who worked on a riverboat for 30 days at a time. And he couldn't wait to return home. Have you seen those Discovery um, Channel about people going out into the deep in the midst of the ocean just to get some really good seafood that you enjoy in Red Lobster? You know, like those big, humongous crab legs and stuff. They have to go to the deep, and they are gone for days and weeks or months. There, here we go. There we go. Thank you, Paul. Deadliest catch, yeah. Of course, they truly miss their family. They miss land, you know, but they are just warriors of the sea, you know, doing that. And there is a story of this riverboat guy who worked there for 30 days at a time, a complete month. He's gone out from home. The boat approaches home port, and the captain announced, your wives are gathered on the dock. There's Bob's Mary. There's Tom's Betty. One man was disappointed, though, because his wife was not there. So what happened? He caught a ride with one of his buddies. He caught a ride with one of the other couple. And he walked into his house, and there was his wife, who smiled and hugged him and said, Hey, there. I'm so glad you're home, husband. I've been waiting for you. But the guy replied, Yeah, but the other guy's wives are watching for their husband. Not just waiting, but they were there watching for the return. Are you ready? Verse 44 of Matthew chapter 24 says, and ask us this question, are you ready? Is your life in order? How about our families and loved ones? Will Jesus find us faithfully serving him or just flirting with the world? The lesson is, why do I wait for Jesus if I could also watch for him at the same time? 
Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the book of Matthew chapter 24. We can just scratch the surface of this great. But I think we got the gist of what you're trying to tell us, Lord. And as I started this message, Lord, we can be anxious for a lot of things. Yes, COVID-19 pandemic is still around. Yes, uh, our future can be bleak. Uh, there might be struggles financially uh, with health. There might be a lot of things, tons of things that can weigh us down. But once again, Lord, we are encouraged. We are encouraged this morning because of your word that there is a God in heaven who is still in control. The God of heaven that we worship today is completely sovereign. It means he still rules and reigns. His plan and his purpose will be fulfilled. In this world, in our community, in our family, and even in our individual lives. So help us, Lord, this morning to be sensitive to your will, to your way, to your working in our lives today. Thank you, Lord, that our faith is reasonable. It's real. It's reliable. And it's also relevant, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that it's not a blind faith that we just believe out of nowhere. We have evidence as we have proof, especially from biblical prophecy, that your soon return is at hand. And as we've been challenged by some other preachers, that why we, while we wait for Jesus, while we watch for his coming, let's continue to worship you, Lord. Let's continue to walk with you. Let's continue to work for you. Let's continue to watch for you, Lord. Before I close this prayer, uh, I don't know about you, if you're here this morning, and once again, thank you for your patience for listening. If you're here this morning, as we always do in every service, we like to give a simple invitation. You haven't trusted Christ as your Savior. What I mean is like, there was not a point in your life where you recognize that you're a sinner, that you're lost, you cannot save yourself. And you, you've come to that realization that your good work, your religion will never save you. Because you, you yourself will feel that it seems like it's not enough. Yes, it's never enough because we are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But God loves us so much. He sent His Son. He took our punishment, our suffering, our judgment on the cross for our sins. He shed His blood. He died for you and me. But the good news is He rose again. And if you're here today, if you will just call upon His name, believe that this is the only way for you to get to heaven. He will save you today. He will make your life anew. He'll give you that relationship with Him. Is there anybody in this room? Pastor Sam, I'm not sure that I will spend eternity in heaven when I die. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that I have a relationship with the God of the universe. But today, I want to be sure. I want to accept Him. Just raise your hand. I'll pray for you. Anybody? Or anyone that can hear this message, the sound of my voice. I'd like to encourage you. Why not? trust Christ today. It's not about religion, but it's about a relationship with Him. Just pray this way. Lord Jesus, I believe that You love me. You died on the cross for my sin. You shed Your blood for my salvation and You rose again. This moment, I ask You to forgive me of all my sins. I repent of all it. And by faith, I receive You in my heart to be my Lord and personal Savior. Thank you for saving me today and help me to know you more and serve you. In 
your name I pray. For believers here, for Christians, waiting and watching for the Lord is something that we need to do. For young, our young people here, you might say, oh, I have plans in my life, but you know what? You don't hold the tomorrows in your hands. You might be struck with sickness or with death. There's some uncertainties. But what's important right now is what you do for the Lord currently, this day, this present day. So why not ask the Lord, Lord, give me wisdom. I want to give my life to you right now. I'm not saying live a life of like a doom and gloom. Oh, the world's going to an end, so why try? No. God is telling us live every moment in His will in His love, in an expectation of His coming. So while we do the ordinary things of life, the simple things in life, maybe going to work, going to school, you know, doing your best, do it for the Lord. Especially our service to Him. Do it for Him right now. Give while you can give. Share while you can share. Encourage while you can encourage. Pray while you can pray. Witness while you can witness because there will come a time that we cannot do those things anymore. We'll hear the great trumpet sound or death will come our way and work will be done, will be over. So let's ask the Lord, Lord, in this day and age of anxiety, of anxiousness, of uncertainties, I want to thank you that there are some great truths, there are something, some things, a lot of things that are certain in the Bible. Let me, let me get a hold of them, Lord. And may it fuel me to continue to, to live you and serve you. Father in heaven, as your people pray, I don't know what's in their heart. Thank you, Lord, that the God that we worship today is a God who always keeps his word. We can always rely on you, Lord. You're totally dependable in all things. So strengthen your people, Lord. Maybe they're praying right now for an unsaved loved one, a co-worker, a friend who's dear to their hearts that's still probably, Lord, resisting or having no time or procrastinating hearing the message of the gospel. Lord, may they be encouraged to keep on praying for them, telling them about the Lord. Maybe we have some family members that we know that are not right with God. They're not living for you, but they're living for themselves. They're living for the world flirting with the world, so to speak. Help them, Lord, to divert the attention to you. You have a special way of putting them back, guiding them, Lord, to your path. But we just need to reach out to them, pray for them, encourage them. Maybe we have some here who are depressed or discouraged because of some trials or sufferings, hardship they're experiencing right now. Lord, show them your way. Lord, give them an ounce of your joy and hope and strength that can only be found in thee. Encourage them, Lord. Help them to get back on their feet and keep on the fighting line. Keep on the good fight of faith. And some of us probably are weary, are down. Lord, we need thy strength. We need thy strength. We cannot do, we cannot live the Christian life by our own strength, Lord. We need thy grace. We need thy mercy. We need thy help, Lord. But thank you, Lord, for the assurance of the scripture that for a Christian, the best days for us are ahead of us. But we can also, Lord, enjoy the moment 
right now as we continue to look upon you and live for you. Bless thy, the prayers of thy people. Answer it according to your will. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.